Jerry, can you do me a favor? Can you move Mike 4 back out by the pulpit? Because I completely forgot about it. Yeah, it's the red one over here by Janelle's thing. Thank you.
Amen. Well, good morning to everyone. Merry Christmas. Ah, just kidding. Happy Resurrection Day to you. Happy Easter. We are so glad that you chose to spend your Easter morning here at Stratford Heights Church of God. Is anybody excited about today and what the Lord did and has done for us? We're, we're so glad it's going to be a beautiful day here, and we're so thankful that you were able to come. I want to tell you, if you're visiting here today, I know it's Easter, and some of you are visiting from out of town, and some of you, maybe you're, you're coming for the first time. And if you're visiting here this morning, we just want to tell you that we believe that you're home. We believe that this is a church that you can get involved in, that you can get your families involved in and be a part of. We just believe in what God is doing here and that we believe that you can be a part of that today. If you're visiting, we just want to tell you today that you are a special, special guest and hopefully a part of the family. But we have a gift for you that we want to give you. And if you want to share, I won't be mad. I'm, I'll be out in the lobby if you want to share the gift with me. That'll be good. But right down here to your left, as you go into the lobby, there's a welcome desk that's identified. There's a huge sign that says new here. Uh, you can see it. We have a gift for you that you don't want to miss out on. Something to do with some gas cards and some just a, a blessing for you just for being here this morning. Also, just something that we wanted to do because we are desperate to connect with you and to be a part of your life and, and hopefully for us to build a relationship with you. We wanted you today to call, or excuse me, not call, but we had a number that we wanted you to contact. Now, here's what's going to happen. No one is going to call you trying to sell you insurance. No one's just, no, there's going to, we're not going to sell you anything to anybody. There'll be no spam, no calls like that. We just want you, if you're visiting, totally unintrusive in every way, if you want to, to uh, text this number. And I believe they're going to put it on the screen there. And what we want you to do, just text your first and last name to that. And we just want uh, to connect with you in every way. We are so glad that you're here today. It's going to be an incredible day, a beautiful day. If you would stand to your feet with me this morning. What we're going to do today, it's already, it's, it's 9 o'clock. The place is already packed. We just want you, if you will, just to turn around and shake hands and welcome some. Greet one another in the name of the Lord as we come into his house this morning. Take the faithless one aside. 
prayer this morning. We would like to invite you to come forward. Our staff is coming and they'll pray for your needs. If you have a special need, we would love for you to come.
been walking the same old road for miles and miles. You've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies. You've been trying to fill the same old holes inside. Well, there's a better life. There's a better life. Now, if you have pain, Shake and Savior, if you got chains, be 
chain breaker in your own life this Easter Sunday morning. Amen. Well, God bless you. It is good to see you on this Easter Resurrection Sunday morning. My, you look good. Turn to somebody. Tell them you're looking mighty fine today. Before you're seated, we're going to have prayer today. Do I see Kristen back there? Kristen, wow. Shane, Good to see you guys. This is our miracle young lady who is alive today. Last week, God gave her a miracle and her precious little Ellie Hope. Don't tell me Ellie's here. Okay. She's still in the hospital. I thought, you know, you just never know. It's Easter. It's so good, Kristen, to see you. You are a bona fide 100% miracle of God. And you build faith in every one of us today. And we love you. So good to see you and Shane. Shane's sighing that sigh of relief that says, man, he got his family back. And he's, he's a happy man. Man, that's one thing to give God thanks for. Amen. When he comes through in a beautiful way, doctors have just about given up hope for both Kristen and little Ellie Hope. But as we said last week, hope is a verb. And oh, she sure proved it. She came right out of that situation, and, and the Lord really touched in a miraculous way. Christian, Kristen, her surgery was nothing like they knew on tests and they knew in reports, but when they got in there, somebody else had already been there and turned things around. Amen. Amen. It's so good to see Linda Van Arsdale on Easter Sunday morning. Good to see you today. Awesome. We love you. You've gone through surgery. And you're here today, and it's so good to see all of you that are here. If I start calling all kinds of names, we'll be in trouble. But how about this? And I didn't say cash me outside before I said that. <laughs> Sandy and Rick Ratliff are up. They're, these are longtime members of our church. They moved down to Florida, and now they've moved to Chattanooga. They're six hours closer. So we're excited. They're here. They're right back here. Wave at us, guys. You're home today, and we're so delighted that, that you're here that we're able to see you and be with us in church today. So many other visitors. I know Brother Hale has family. Don Hale has family that are here today. So glad to see you and to have you here. We also have with that some, some news. You know, it's a home going and a celebration for Brother Glenn Hale. We want to pray for the family, his sons, his family, his grandchildren, his precious wife, and all of their family related to the carpenters. Brother Glenn Hale went on to be with the Lord over the last couple of days, and we want to uh, remember him. The services will be Monday at the um, Baker Stevens Funeral Home, I believe at noon. So you are uh, going to help us today. We're going to pray for this family. We're going to pray for our country. How many of you know the United States needs prayer? And we're going to pray for the state of Israel. As we do in our service weekly, we're going to remember them and ask the Lord to be with them and touch them. How many of you would say, Pastor, I have a very special need in my life and I, my family, and I want God to minister and move. Amen. Amen. So good to see Sister Lily Walters, too. She's here. She's not been able to be with us for quite a while, and she's here today. So well, this is just a day of celebration. Amen. 
We're glad to see all these folks. Let's pray together. Our Father, as we come to you now, we honor you and we bless your name. We're thankful that your word declares to us that we can bring every need to you. Cast all of our cares upon you because you love us, because you care for us. So we honor you today and we honor your word. And by faith, Lord, we grant every need. We lay it before your throne right at your feet and we ask you to touch in each of these situations lord we give thanks today for Kristen and for ellie hope the miracle that they are we thank you for the doctors and nurses that work with them but god most of all that you the great physician showed up and gave us a wonderful testimony of your miraculous power lord we ask your strength and grace now to be with the hale family touch them lord we know that glenn is a was a man of god he stands in your presence this morning and Lord, it's certainly not a sad occasion for him, but there is so many hearts that are hurting and his family that are grieved. And we're praying comfort and strength for them today that your will, your purposes will unfold in their lives for great power. Help them through the difficult days that lie ahead. And Lord, for every hand that was lifted up, we ask your grace, your mercy, your delivering power to be with each one of them. And we thank you for it. And Lord, we pray now for the state of Israel. We lift up this little country, no bigger than the size of New Jersey, and ask you to continue to rescue her and to touch her and to protect her. We praise you and thank you, Lord, that right there, surrounded by all of her enemies, she is still the Holy Land. We thank you for the hand of God that rests upon her. Keep her sons and daughters, her families, minister around her borders and keep her safe as you use her, Lord, in the prophetic way that you're using her these days for the last days, and we honor you for it today. And Lord, we will not fail to lift up our own country and ask you to touch the United States. Minister, Lord, to those who are confused and hurting, those that are uh, causing distress and discouragement on city streets around our country. We ask, Lord, for your work to be accomplished and done. Bring direction, bring leadership to our government, and touch in, Lord, every way that honors and glorifies you and your purpose for the United States. And we ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone together said, Amen. Amen. God bless you and you may be seated. Our ushers are coming to serve you this morning. And as they do, I thank you for your gifts on Easter Sunday. I know that the Lord is with you and bless you. How many of you would say, I am blessed. The Lord has touched my family, met every need that I had. Doesn't mean everything always goes perfect and just right but he always takes care of us. And I thank you for taking care of God's work here at Stratford Heights Church. Your tithe and your offering helps us to continue the ministries we're doing literally around the world. Can I tell you over the last couple of nights, around 20 to 30 people have already accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're so thankful for what God is doing. Looking forward to today as we celebrate in this service and at 11 o'clock the cantata. If you've not seen the cantata yet, it is a wonderful presentation. And God has put his hand on every part of it, and we're so thankful. Lord, we ask you now to bless the gifts, to touch every heart, those who have come prepared to worship you, Lord, with their offerings, with their tithe. We honor you, and we thank you for the work that is being done around the world, our missionaries that we support, and all the different ministries. We honor you today, and we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
talk to you a few moments this Resurrection Sunday morning on the fact that we know that he is risen. He is definitely alive and at the right hand of the Father, and you and I have promises that go with the risen Savior. I've entitled this, the message for this Easter Sunday morning, A Mighty Risen Savior. If you're with, I'm going to read from several different passages of Scripture, going to cover 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. Then I'm going to go to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31. And I'm going to conclude with Isaiah chapter 63 and verse 1. Listen to what the word of God says in our message today. Paul writing to the Corinthians said this. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ, they've perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most pitiful. But now, he says in verse 20, but now Christ is risen from the dead. Can you say amen? Isaiah chapter 40, the Isaiah the prophet writing about the Lord, writing about all. He prophesied his coming to Bethlehem in a manger. He prophesied all throughout the word, many different places about the coming Messiah. And he said this, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen. Isaiah 63 and verse 1. Who is this, Isaiah writing again, who comes from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? This one who is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. Then very quickly in that very scripture, the answer comes resounding back to him. It says, I, who speak in righteousness, and am mighty to save. Can you say amen? So thankful for the word of God this morning. The truth that we can build our life on that touches us and transforms us. How many of you have been transformed by the power of God and his word in your life? Lord, we thank you. Now we ask in the next few moments, let the preacher get out of the way. Let the word of God, Lord, come forward in such a way that that's all people see. The truth behind your promises at Easter. The way that you have given to us hope that you have come to us at our darkest places, Lord, in life, reached down as far as you had to reach for us, and, Lord, you've rescued us. We honor you today for the truth of the resurrection, 
for the power that comes with that empty tomb. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, by your Holy Spirit, speak to us today. And everyone together said amen. And you can be seated. Today is Resurrection Sunday, Easter morning. This is the day every year that we as Christians, we honor, we celebrate, and we proclaim loudly, especially in this church, because I think it was a little loud this morning. No, I'm kidding. We proclaim that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. We proclaim that he is the warrior champion, that he's our mighty savior, that he's never lost a battle. How many of you know that? Say amen. He's never lost a battle. He's mighty to save you and I. When we look in that scripture there in Isaiah, as we mentioned, all throughout Isaiah, he, he talks about the coming of the Lord in many different fashions, all the way back to the swaddling clothes and him lying in a manger. But here we see in Isaiah 63 that the prophet is seeing a glorious warrior coming from the enemy's camp. You know, I think about the old gladiator movies, and I think about the fact that when the warrior, the smoke settles, and the warrior, the gladiator is coming back from the enemy's camp, that only means one thing. He has won the battle, and he's victorious. How many of you know this morning, Jesus Christ is not just some figment of someone's philosophy or theology, but he is the warrior, the champion, the mighty savior of our heart and life. How many of you believe that today? Isaiah asked the question, thrilled at the sight of what he was seeing in his spirit. And he said, who is this champion? And the Lord speaks right back to him, Brother Carpenter, and says, it is I who speaks in righteousness and is mighty to save. What a statement, revealing his victory, revealing that he has conquered all hostile enemies, and he's done it with his own strength. You know, we talk about the three days. He was crucified on Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday morning, early at the beginning of the week, he raised from the dead. I think about the fact that we sing songs and we preach messages about Jesus going down after he gave up uh, the ghost, if you will, at the, at the cross, and he cried out, it is finished. The Bible tells us that he clearly took a trip, went on a day one, day two, and day three journey, where in day one he conquered death. He took that right by the, by the horns and completely conquered death on day one. Then day two he went to hell and he conquered hell, and he came back conquering that. And then on the third day he said, oh yeah, we're going to conquer the grave as well. And so he died on Friday. He went and took the keys to death, hell, and the grave on Saturday and on Sunday, he rose out of that grave and he conquered there the grave. You and I have the hope and the promise that we will conquer death, hell, and the grave because our Savior has resurrected and that tomb is empty. Can you say amen? Now, the way we work it here, if you're visiting with us, is amens, a lot of amens help me to end on time. If you don't give me a lot of hallelujahs, glory to God's and amens, then I keep preaching because I think you didn't get it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, I knew it was going to take off. Now, here we go. 
He conquered death, hell, and the grave. When I thought about that, when I began to really consider that he had a, you know, he had a lot to do within that little short of, uh, span of time, day one, day two, day three. That's why, I mean, the Bible is so clear with the details of what all went on. But man, it's such a majestic mission. Conquering death, conquering hell, conquering the grave for you and I. So that those things would no longer have any sting and grave would have no victory. How many of you know day, death and, and the grave usually means the end of something? What's awesome about the tomb in Jerusalem is that when it was... When he was put in that tomb, it wasn't the ending of anything. It was the beginning of a brand new uh, living way that comes through Christ. A lot of times, you know, in the church, we focus on, on the, 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 the thing that we, we focus on the most. is like a lot of time spent on Christmas, a, a lot of time spent on Bethlehem, a lot of time spent on the shepherds and the star and all those things that, that happened, the, the, the angels singing and the hosannas, and we love this, and it's so wonderful. When God became man, when he came to the earth, when he left that throne of glory, I often will think in my own brain what it was like on the night that Jesus left heaven. You know, it's a literal scene. When the angels had to bid him farewell, here he has been with them, and they have worshipped together with the Trinity, and they've all been together in all the planning. I mean, Jesus was there at the forming and foundations of the earth. And he was there when the plan and the covenant of salvation was designed. And he was there when the angels were, were created. And, and you think about all of that, but then there was a day when they threw kind of a, a bon voyage party for Jesus because heaven knew he was going down to the earth where the created folks were, those human beings that God loved so much that he was willing to give up himself through his son to literally rescue them. How many of you have been rescued by the son? We think about these things and how awesome it would have been to have been there and saw what all was going on. It was kind of bittersweet because they knew that he was going on a mission and they knew that he'd be back, but they knew he was going to have to endure quite a bit. It's so amazing the way he came. He left the majesty. He left the glory. And when he did, he came down to the earth and became lowly, became a man of no reputation. He didn't have a stone but to lay his head on. He had no earthly kind of, the Bible says he was not comely. He wasn't that good a looking. He wasn't a champion, a gladiator like maybe some of David's brothers were. He was literally a lowly human being born in a earthly poor house where he had to work hard and labor as a carpenter to make his way in life. And this is the way he chose to come because he wanted, God wanted to connect with you and I. He wanted you and I to understand he was a God who knew us, loved us, just like we are where we are. He didn't come down in chariots. He didn't come down and set himself up in Jerusalem. I mean, a lot of the Israelites, they wanted him to. They thought that surely the Messiah, when he comes, he's going to set up his kingdom. He's going to set up a throne in Israel, and he's going to be worshipped and honored, and he's going to you know, completely conquer the Roman government. They had it all in their mind. That's why, if you ever wondered why, why didn't they get it? Why didn't they see? Why didn't the miracles speak to them? Because they weren't expecting him to come like he came. They weren't expecting him to come and be like you and I and relate to us and live life out and live it sinless and show us his love by being our substitute. 
we spend a lot of time talking about the incarnation in Bethlehem and, and the, the beautiful silent night. And then we even spend a lot of time at the cross. And we should. Because the cross is the center point of the mission of Christ. The cross is the place of sacrifice. It's the place of the atonement, the substitution. Theologically, it's important. It's sound. It's doctrine. And when Christ came to the earth and then he went to that cross, that was where mission, mission heaven was being completed and finished. But it wasn't done there. We spend a lot of time at the cross. We talk much about his death, much about his crucifixion, much about the scattering disciples. And yet very little do we spend throughout a year talking about the resurrection. We throw it in on the end of our pageants and on the end of our productions. It's kind of the finale. We're kind of, we're kind of done when we get there. It's usually like the last song that we talk about the, the tomb and he comes out of the tomb and, and, and it's okay. When we do, that's the pinnacle of heaven's mission. It's the, it's the ending of it. It's like the, the very the end of the mission, the beginning of a new life. But it's the end of the mission. And so we understand why it falls like it does. But I think sometimes we spend so much time on the holy night and we spend so much time on day one. That many times, day three, we don't really get the importance and we don't really get the significance down inside of our own hearts. The significance of the resurrection. We know that he was God. We know that he came. We know he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him, Isaiah said in chapter 53. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. This is not the picture of a champion, a warrior. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We read those scriptures and our focus is on his death. It's on the crucifixion. It's on the, the horrible scene of the death of Christ. He came to the earth. He died. But I want to tell you this morning, there is great importance and value in us looking one more time at that empty tomb and understanding that that is the actual crowning glory of heaven's mission. The empty tomb and Jesus walking out of that tomb, that's what gives you and I the hope. We are able to walk in this house this morning and lift our hands and worship and praise God and sing the songs of Zion. We're allowed to do that. We're given privilege to do that because Jesus came out of the tomb. He empowered us and he was mighty to save us through that sacrifice. He rose again. I mean, that's the big thing. That's the big deal. That's what's most important. Paul writes all throughout the scripture that if he hadn't risen, then our, our prayers, our, our living our life, our faith, our, our, our salvation, even our loved ones who have went on to be with God, all of that is, is in vain. If he didn't rise from the dead, 
You go check the tombs of Muhammad. Go check the tomb of Confucius. Go check the tombs of all the other folks uh, from, uh, from all the great philosophers to even Moses himself on a mountain up there somewhere. There are bones to be found. There's DNA to be researched. But can I tell you the astounding, magnificent thing about Christ rising from that dead and walking out of that tomb is there are no bones anywhere to be found in the Holy Land. There's not a box anywhere that contains any of his DNA. He is standing, sitting at the right hand of the Father, even in this very moment, interceding for you and I. How many of you know he's not dead? He's alive. He's alive. Oh, hallelujah. He's alive. That's what's so significant about our faith. Not that he died as magnificent and wonderful as that sacrifice is for us. My favorite song to sing in a, in a hymn is at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, the burdens of my soul, my heart were rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. I'm thankful for the cross. I'm thankful for the cross. But oh, I want to tell you, there's something else that transforms and changes every life. Not just those who knew him on the Damascus Road or those who knew him on the Emmaus Road or those who knew him around that room in the upper room. I'm talking about a transformation that touches lives 2,000 years down the road. I have been transformed because I have met the risen Savior. Savior. You don't even know what that does to me. That excites me. Easter is a wonderful time. The resurrection is a magnificent time because it, it literally proves Christianity. It proves him as the Son of God. You go to any one of those tombs and call, make a roll call. Mohammed, you'll hear him say, Here, Confucius, here. Sun, young, moon, here I am. Buddha, yo. Jesus, Jesus Christ. Y'all hear anything? Jesus, there'll never be an answer because he's, he's, been, he's not there. He's not in the tomb. And that significance, that importance to you and I is what makes this weekend, what makes this all valuable and important that we remember that he came up out of that tomb that I would love to talk about the resurrection all morning because because he lives because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all my fears are gone because he lives I know I know that he holds tomorrow because he lives that truth in my life we could talk about that all day long. We need to spend more time, more, more time talking to folks about the resurrection. You know how they used to greet one another back in the Old Testament? They, the, the customs of Israel were that they would meet one another. In the New Testament, they would greet the Christians, the fellow Christians together. And when they would talk to one another, they would say, Christ is risen. And the proper response, you know, we, we say, hey, how you doing? I'm fine. How are you? They would say, Christ is risen. The person looking back at him would say, he is risen indeed. They talked about the resurrection. They talked about the fact that Christ 
had rose from the dead. They talk about that over and over again. That's what gave people hope. That's what gave them faith. That's what keeps them going. You know, because he is alive, we can pray at Kettering Hospital and see a miracle. Because he is risen, we can have an altar call in a few moments and someone's life can be transformed even in 2017. Because he lives, you and I have hope of every promise in God's holy word. That's what separates us from all other religions. It's not a religion of the past. It's a religion of the right now. It's a religion that touches our lives right now, makes a difference right now. Because he lives, I can go down on the streets in Middletown and I can look at the hopeless. I can look at those who are on drugs. I, can, we, I love these cards that we've got. Man, when we're at the end of the cantata, when they come out and they talk about I was bound by drugs, I was bound by alcohol, I was bound by, by all kinds of different uh, hurts and abuses and all kinds of things in my life, whether it was sickness and cancer or whatever it was, but I love the fact that they got a big old chain around their neck and then they reach up, turn it around and give you the good news, the good news, but Jesus set me free, I'm delivered and I am a new creature in Christ Jesus because he lives. It's so important that we know the significance of the resurrection, that we know the power that comes with it. I was in Kroger's the other day, and I ain't telling on nobody because I didn't know them. But it just so happens I was standing right behind these two guys with two big carts, and they were pushing them with all their might. Brother Phil, I mean, they had those things loaded down. And they were pushing them so heavy, they couldn't hardly push the carts. I don't know how they got them across the parking lot to their car, but there's two carts full of every kind of alcoholic beverage you can think of. They didn't leave one out. Every box, every carton, every bottle was in that cart, in one cart and then the second cart. And they were going through there, and I was just, I was just looking at them. I was just like, my goodness, somebody's in trouble. <laughs> what in the world well, they, are they going to do? And then the... The, the cash register lady, she looked at him and she said, wow. She goes, why all the beer? And they looked at each other and they were just kind of like a little like embarrassed, I guess. And, and finally one of them went like this. He said, it's Easter. It's Easter. And they laughed. And, and the cash register lady laughed and all the people around them laughed. And I sat there and I stared at them. I didn't, I didn't look down on them. I didn't condemn them. I didn't do that. Jesus don't do that. But I looked, I looked at him and it really spoke to my heart, Jeff. And I thought, how sad that the only thing they could come up with, I mean, to them, Easter is a three-day weekend and the fun in the sun. It's a three-day wild party. Man, get the grill out. Let's celebrate Easter. In every way we can. Man, I'm telling you, I woke up this morning and the first thing I thought was he is risen. What was it like when she got up early, Mary, running to the tomb? When she got up to the tomb, she got about halfway there. She had her little bag of spices and she had some flowers and she was getting ready to come. And she sees, oh my goodness, she sees that the, the tomb has been opened and the rock is off to the side and, and she gets up here real close and, and she's looking inside and you got to know her heart's going a thousand miles a minute as she looks in and suddenly she's an angel 
sitting there and there ain't nobody and she wonders what in the world has happened. She talks to them a minute and they tell her about the good news. She turns back around. She runs and tells folks, ends up back at the tomb and she's there weeping and crying. Where is he? When suddenly she hears Mary. Woo-wee. Can you imagine? Can you even comprehend what that would have been like in that moment? Well, I can take you, Charlotte, I can take you to a night on Thursday, July 2nd, 1981, sitting at the Hare Arena camp meeting. I can tell you when I remember the night, he said, Ray, Ray. And I said, who, me? He said, Ray, I'm coming for you. I've calling your name. Holy Ghost was calling my name. The power of God was filling my soul and heart. I was holding back the tears. I was trying to ignore the preacher. I was sitting there about to rip a hole in the chair in front of me because there ain't no way heaven can be all around you. And the angels of God standing there smiling going, oh, he's going down. Yeah, this is it. And the Holy Ghost is right there. There is no way on earth you can hear the Holy Ghost saying, Ray, Ray, it's your day. It's your hour. This is your appointed time. He died for you and he rose again so that you can be redeemed. There's nothing better than the moment I got up out of that chair and started walking down to the front. I got all the way to the front and the preacher looked at me and said only one thing. He said, my Lord, son, the Holy Ghost is all over you. You know what I said in my great theological uh, understanding? I said, I know. <laughs> the rest was history. Because he came out of that tomb, he gave me a new life. Now I am out of death. I'm out of hell. And I am out of the grave. It has no victory over me. There is no sting of death. There is no victory in the grave. Not for me. You can, you can look forward to it all you want to. When I walk away from a graveside of someone precious and a saint in this church, and we've had quite a few in the last several years, when I walk away, I don't walk away like those who have no hope. I walk away from like those that have hope down inside of them in the morning just inside the eastern gate. I'll see you again, brother. I'll see you again, sister. Don't you cry for me. You stand ready and waiting for the day we're reunited again. Why? Because he lives. You and I have the hope and the promise of eternal life. Amen. spit out all the facts about the proof, the historical facts of the fact that he came and he died and he wrote, man, I've, I've just got to, most people who come on Easter Sunday, you already believe. I guarantee you, you wouldn't be here today. I mean, your mama may have drugged you, but most of the people who end up at church on Sunday morning Easter they are believers. They may not practice all year long, but man, people have a tendency to say, huh, you know what? We're going to church on Easter. I've seen more people in my neighborhood getting in cars all dressed up. I never see that every Sunday. I was literally avoiding folks as I was going down through the street. They all getting in their cars and all looking pretty. And I thought, isn't this beautiful? I think this is the way it was in the 50s. I was looking for Father Knows Best. <laughs> How you doing, Marcus Welby, or whatever his name was? Robert Young, I know. 
It was wonderful to see that. People believe. So it's not about me today, Brother Carter, trying to explain to folks the facts, spit out all the, the regurgitate all the things that will cause you to believe. You already believe or you wouldn't be here. What's important this morning in the message is that we get it across to every one of us, that all of us are renewed believers, saints, those who are lost today. It's important that we understand the significance of Easter, the significance of the resurrection. Because he lives, you and I have been set free. It's important to our salvation. The gospel record hinges on this very fact. The book of Acts, the epistles, all of the writings of the apostles, those things all point to the fact that Jesus died and he rose again from the dead. If you had been there, you would have seen the empty tomb. If you had been there, you would have, if you'd been with the disciples, you would have saw him fully alive. He showed himself. He still wants to show himself. He's not a secret. He doesn't literally put on a, a magic show and he doesn't juggle for all the people of the world. He does though. He does sit in a beautiful place in every heart and life waiting for you to seek him and to find him. He's there to be found. He's not wanting to hide from any of us. Jesus is looking for you. He's looking for your heart, your life. He's looking to speak to you. He wants you to understand something about the gospel. He wants you to understand the, the cross, the importance of him coming to Bethlehem, the, the value and the, the, the necessity of the cross and what it represents to us. He wants you to understand that it's a matter of life and death, what you do with the resurrection. It's a matter of life and death. That makes it pretty serious. It stops us in our tracks. When I was talking with the Carpenter family and Kristen and Shane were together, we were talking about life and death. It broke all of our hearts. We sat back. This was important. Everyone was there. The family came from all over the place. They, some came from, from far away, and they were all filling up. Every minute, there's somebody new coming in as they were all gathered. You go out in the family waiting room, and there's family sitting there. They've been there for hours. They're, they're waiting. They're waiting. Why? Because it was a matter of life and death. There's something I need to get across to you this morning. This is a matter of life and death. This is a matter of severe importance for you and I. As a preacher of the gospel, it's important that I get it across to you that there is a value, there is intrinsic value in you looking at that cross, looking at that resurrection, looking at that empty tomb, and understanding its importance in your life. It's a matter of life and death. When it comes to those important issues, there's nothing else that matters. I said this the other night. There's no greater decision than the decision you make with Jesus about Jesus. There's no greater uh, achievement in this life. There's no greater uh, graduation. There, there's no greater accomplishments for you. 
You can have the world. You can have houses on every continent. You can have a bank account that is just shining beautiful and the bank treats you like a VIP. You can have all of those things, but if you've gained the whole world and you've lost your soul, you've made a grave mistake. The most important decision you'll ever make in your life is not the decision of who you'll marry or where you'll go to school or where you'll live or what your occupation will be or what kind of car you're going to drive or what kind of house you're going to own. None of those things are the most important decision you'll ever make. The most valuable and most important decision you will ever make is what do you do with an empty tomb? What do you do with that empty tomb? I wish you'd stand with me this morning. We fail sometimes to remember, to remember what happened after the resurrection. He said, don't touch me yet. Don't, don't get too close. I, I've yet, not yet been glorified. I've not yet ascended to my Father. You see, there were changes that happened after the resurrection. As I said, he came as a lowly Savior. He came as a man. He came as a baby in Bethlehem. He came there, and as he did, sometimes we, we tend to, you know, we, we buy cards, and we, we buy things that, that make Jesus look so human, and, and we, we want him to look like one of us, and, and he did for 33 and a half years. He was a carpenter's son. He, he, he no doubt was was tanned because of the always working outside and he had you know the longer hair we, we're assuming that he had those things because he was a Nazareth Nazarite and so he had a vow that he would not cut his hair so we know his hair was longer we, we got an idea of what he looked like like a man we know he, he wasn't rich we know he wasn't a king he never had a throne and he never wore a crown until the last day a crown of thorns he didn't have a scepter. He didn't have anybody feeding him grapes, but he did have someone pushing a sponge of vinegar in his mouth. He was rejected, despised, talked about as a devil. They said all kinds of things about him that thought he was crazy. God. God come to earth all the humans that he came to die for are pointing at him save yourself if you're God they treated him like a man he died in their sight like a man and then they put guards at the tomb because they thought surely he wasn't honest and didn't have integrity and he would probably find some way in a conspiracy to fake his own death and his resurrection they paid people to lie just in case something went wrong with their plan, the government, so that, so that they could squelch this Christian thing, this Christianity thing. But aren't you glad this morning that when he walked out of that tomb, they may have tried to shut him up, silence him, but they couldn't because when he came out, he was not a man anymore. He was the resurrected son of the living God, the creator of the universe. 
disciples knew it. Paul knew it. He said that I may know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. That I may be conformed unto his death. That I may know him. Same Paul who killed Christians has killed himself. John saw him. John was banished because of his Christianity. I'm telling you, it's not a bed of roses to serve Jesus. It takes a tough guy. It takes a tough lady to serve Jesus. Especially today. Man, they're out there making fun of us. I heard on the news this morning, they were talking about the number one most tortured sect of people on earth right now are Christians. Did we think it wouldn't get that way? Did we think it wouldn't happen? The most attacked, the most killed, the most martyred now around the world, the people who are being attacked in countries everywhere. Last Sunday, Palm Sunday, a wonderful temple worship service of Christians who were blown up. Christians attacked. I couldn't even believe my ears when the lady, the anchor on the news this morning was saying about 4.35 o'clock, she was saying the number one most attacked martyred group on earth are Christians. It's been this way all throughout the word of God. Jesus said they'll hate you. They do. They'll persecute you. They'll lie on you. They'll tell all kinds of falsities on you. They do. They'll vote you out. They'll blacklist you. They'll, they'll cast you out. They'll vote you down. They don't want no part of you anymore. It's getting that way. You know why it's getting that way? Because he's coming back very soon. He's coming back. When he comes, he's coming for a remnant. He's coming for people that'll endure. He's coming for people that'll understand the importance of an empty tomb. He's coming for people that will not get caught up in the politics and not get up, caught up in worldliness and not get caught up in all the things of this life and this world. You won't keep your eyes down, looking down on the things here and keeping them all on your circumstances in this life. No, he's coming back, the Bible says, for those who are listening for a sound, those who are looking for a knock on the door because he is coming at a midnight hour when he comes he's coming for those who are looking for him are you looking for him this morning oh man I've heard this my whole life preacher I mean you know I've heard about the Lord coming my whole life thank you you are a prophet of God the word says in the last days there will come scoffers who will say, where is the promise of his coming? We've heard that our whole lives. So when you say that, sir, when you say that, ma'am, you make me want to shout because you're a last day prophet. You're one of those that are ushering in the coming of the Lord. I believe he's closer in this moment than he has ever been. I believe the Lord is on his way. I believe the angels of God are rustling up a mess up in heaven. They're getting the marriage supper of the Lamb ready and the trumpeter is getting his fingers all loosed up because he's getting ready to make a sound that'll be heard all across the whole continents of the entire earth. It'll fill up the sound all across the airwaves and only those 
who have their faith tuned in to Heaven's radio station is going to hear that sound. I don't know what it's going to be like. I'd love to have somebody blow me a trumpet right about now. It wouldn't have been half of you jump out of your seat. You wouldn't even know what to do. He's coming. I said he's coming. He's coming soon. The world is, is getting less and less and less attractive to the child of God. It's getting a little bit more like the bad place. It's getting a little bit more like a place we don't belong. How many of you are getting homesick for heaven because you don't belong here anymore? The Bible tells us that we are citizens of another country. I'm already there. I've already got my passport stamped. I can't hardly wait for the train to come into the station. I can't wait for the power of God to lift me up in gravity, the forces of gravity to let go. And I am literally rising up. I'm going to look for you. I hope I see you. But I really can't hardly wait to set my eyes on the prize. Jesus Christ who came out of that tomb is going to be right there. I can't wait for it power of the Lord is here this morning. You, you know, I'm not, talk, I'm not selling anything. I don't have a piece of property to give you. I don't have a car to give you. I don't have a card to hand you. I don't want you to sign a contract. I'm not interested in anything you got. You know, within reason. I do like ice cream and pizza. But I'm not here to sell you anything. I'm here because I believe with all of my heart, my job when he saved me, he called me. And when he called me, he gave me a message down in my heart, Terry. It was a message that he is risen and that people have to know it. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to shout it. I know I get excited. I know I get a little crazy. I'm a little wild up here. I realize I make you uncomfortable. The Bible is clear to point out the cross can be offensive sometimes. Well, I'm probably one of those offensive people because I always leave here saying, Ray, settle down, calm down. Be one of them preachers that stand behind the pulpit and preach very calm but I can't it's like a fire down inside my bones and I'm like I want to stand on the rooftops and shout to this world they're crying they're dying they're lost and they're covered up with alcohol and drugs and all kinds of stuff they're literally lying in the streets they have no answers they're they're going after one love relationship after another they don't know if they want a boy or a girl they don't know what they want they're lost they're confused, they're hurting, they're crying out, and you and I have the answer. The tomb is empty. Christ promises new life. He promises a brand new heart. He said, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. He said, I'll take out that old stony heart, that old cold-hearted heart that you've got. I'll take that out, and I'll put you a brand-new heart inside of you. You don't have to live like you've lived. You don't have to live in shame and despair and disgrace. You don't have to live like that any longer. You can give it to the Lord today, and the resurrection power that brought him out of that tomb is going to resurrect in you and give you strength and energy like you have not had. He wants to turn your life around, but you've got to get past Bethlehem, and you've got to go on past the cross, and you've got to get over to the tomb, and you've got to see that it is empty, and that means he is out wandering around, and my Bible tells me, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so you know where he went? 
He went to the Father, but he also did something else. He said, through the gift of my Holy Ghost, we're going to send the Comforter to you. And he's here right in this place today. The Word of God tells me that Jesus Christ is in this very room. He is right. You want to know where he's at? He left there. He's here. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Oh, Jesus, do what I cannot do. Holy Spirit, touch your people. There are people that are going to make a life and death situation. They're going to make a life and death decision right now. I pray for no interruptions. I pray the devil won't get your checking account on your mind or, or your, your, your afternoon activities. I pray he won't let you worry about anything that you've got going. I pray right now there's your heart, your soul is arrested by the Holy Ghost. And I pray that you will make a decision by his power and might to literally get all in. Not just a believer, not just someone who says, I believe, but I, it's not affecting my life. It, it's not really transforming my life. It's not an important part of my life. All in. It's time for you to make the decision that you are all in with Christ. Oh, you'll never regret it, I promise you. I haven't regretted it in 38 years. I love him more today in this hour than I ever have. I have a mama in heaven. I have family members in heaven. We have church members that are in heaven. And I can't hardly wait for a grand reunion. And it's going to be soon. Question is, are you going to be there? You have loved ones. Are you going to see them? The promise of the resurrection is for you. He wants to save your heart, save your soul today. He wants to touch you life and turn it around. He wants to make you a brand new creature. You know what I love about Brother Hale? And, and I want to honor him because he, he was such a man of God. And he, I, he, I used to go back there and he would cry over his family. And he'd pray over them. And he'd grab my hands and he'd say, just pray for my family. Just pray for them, Pastor. He was a wonderful man. I've always known him to be a man of gentleness and kindness. But man, I heard back in the day he was quite a rouser. That he was quite a man. He was a wild kind of guy. But God came down and it was life transformed and changed him like night to day. Turned him into a man of God. And he lived out his days worshiping and praising God like a tender child in his heart. He was so wonderful to be around. God does that. He changes your life. God wants to change yours today. I'm not going to belabor the point. The Holy Spirit is either knocking on your heart's door and he's doing the work of God. You need him and he's here and he's letting you know you need him or he's not. But if he isn't, then I pray. I pray for you that God will give you an opportunity somewhere down the road before he comes. But right now, there are some in this house that the Holy Ghost is knocking on your heart's door. You know your need. You know that you have, you've got to have him in your heart and life. You know you've got to make this decision. And you've come here this Easter Sunday morning, thought, well, I'll just hear a cute little sermon and I'll hear a couple of songs and I'm sure they'll have a cross. But you weren't expecting. We talk about the empty tomb and how that is important and significant to your life. Right now, wherever you're standing, I want you to make an altar where you are. And I'm going to ask you, we're going to pray a prayer. We're going to help you. We're just going to lead you. It's not a prayer of salvation. It's a prayer that from your heart will bring salvation to your life. It's not magic. It's not a formula. It's nothing like that. 
But if you pray this prayer from your heart, then we believe and the Bible teaches that it's a prayer that will bring him into your life, transform you forever. And if you're here today and you need Jesus, we're going to pray this prayer in just a moment. I want you to shoot your hand up and write back down, and I'm going to pray with you today. Is there anyone on this Easter Sunday morning? God bless you, sir. Is there anyone else? I want to pray that prayer, Pastor. I want to pray today to receive Jesus in my life. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Christians are praying right now. People are making a life and death decision. Waiting just a few more seconds. I need to be right with God, Pastor. I don't want to leave this house. I'm going to pray. God bless you. I want to pray that prayer today. I want to leave here knowing on Easter Sunday, 2017, I gave my life to Jesus. I want to do that right now. I'm waiting just a few more seconds. Are you here? Many have lifted their hands already. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? All right. We're going to pray together. If you will, everyone look at me. We're going to pray this prayer together. We're going to join together with them and just march them right up to the throne of grace. And so we're going to pray. I want us all to pray. Make them feel comfortable. God, don't make it hard to get saved. It isn't going to be an easy walk with him. You'll be hated and persecuted. There'll be some decisions you'll have to make, but God's going to be with you every step of the way. And we're going to pray with you right now for the greatest decision of your life. Let's pray together, church. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you're the Son of God. You died on the cross. You rose again. You purchased my salvation. So I come to you today. Be the Lord of my life. I call you out as my Savior. I declare you're my Lord. And according to your precious word, what I believe now in my heart, having confessed it now, means I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. And Father, we pray for us, those of us who believe, having God just the wonderful experience of bringing people into your presence them experiencing and making a decision for you the greatest greatest decision of their lives thank you for that opportunity to be here for that I pray now for every believer may we truly leave from this place and Lord understand the significance of the resurrection in our lives may it change us Lord, may we not get caught up in the form of religion and may we not get caught up in just living out a tradition, but God, may we truly see the value, the importance of the resurrected Christ who unlike all other religions and gods is a God who loved us enough to come to purchase our salvation and then conquer it for us, giving us that gift of eternal life. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We honor you. We give you glorious praise, for you are the one and only omnipotent God. And we give you praise for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to say, if you prayed that prayer today, we have a booth out in the lobby. It's right across the, the way, right there. It says Strat Small Groups on it. If you go by there, there's a Bible they want to give you and some information. They want to hand you tools in your hand to help you 
to start your new walk with Jesus. Please just go by there. doesn't cost a thing. Just want to give it to you free of charge. God bless you, and thank you for being here today. God, God bless you.